The Avengers Initiative is the vision of S.H.I.E.L.D. Director Nick Fury to gather a group of heroes to protect the Earth from various threats. And the first time we see this group gather in the 2012 movie, The Avengers, a fight breaks out, resulting in the near destruction of an aircraft carrier. It takes the death of an agent to bring the team together to fight against the coming alien invasion. Despite our media's and our world's talk of social friendliness, truth, and tolerance, we see a growing tribalism, especially digital tribalism and identity politics that is fed by social media, fake news, excessive personal sensitivities, and intolerance to any hint of disagreement. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we need to be callous and cold towards people, but the fact that I need to say that shows the kind of world we live in. The gospel is an invitation to sinners to find salvation by grace through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross to be called into His body, His family, with Him as its head. And we were reminded last week that we're not defined by these social algorithms or our identity found in the world. It's defined and it's found in Christ. And if we're defined and found in Christ, then our response is different to the response of the world. And we see here in Paul's words that we are to respond with humility, gentleness, patience, love, peace, and unity. Now, the church hasn't always got this right. We need to recognize that and be humble enough to apologize or repent of that. But it doesn't change that Christ calls us to live a life worthy of the gospel and his glory. My prayer for this church, this place, this family, is that it will be a place where people are united in Christ and equipped to grow in these Christ-like qualities, humility, gentleness, patience, love, peace, and unity, so that we might grow in the faith and achieve the full riches of Christ. That's my prayer. As we look at this letter of Ephesians, Paul begins back in chapter 1 by reminding the people of God, the church, that God has blessed them in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing, not some, not a little, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ has been given. And then he goes to remind us in chapter 2, and many of us know these words, that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. But this salvation, this gospel, isn't hidden away for some select few to discover. It's not hidden away. No, God intends to make it plain to everyone. It was hidden in the past, but 
now it is being revealed and it is being done through the church. Chapter 3, verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It's the church that reveals the gospel. And that's been the plan all along. Right from the beginning, right there in Genesis, God intended for His people to be the revelation of His good news. That is, He desires to bless and to save and give grace. And He does that through Jesus on the cross. And so as we come to chapter 4, as we look at these words, we see that Christ assembles His people as one body, one family, one people. But grace isn't just about salvation, it's about the gifts that He gives to each person and to the church. And that together, with those gifts, the church works together to serve one another and to strive towards maturity. To be the body of Christ. To be the church. As He called us to be. And so we're reminded that our identity is found in Him. We're encouraged to recognize that each one of us plays a part in this body. And we're challenged to consider how we might use this grace and these gifts to serve one another. As people are saved by grace, Paul urges his readers, he urges us to live a life worthy of this calling, the gospel that we have received in Christ Jesus. And what kind of life is that? Well, it's one of humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, keeping unity through the bond of peace. And these things aren't passive, they're intentional, they're deliberate. And some of these things don't come naturally to us. And anyone who's caught me on a bad day knows that I'm proud, inconsiderate, impatient, selfish, trying to stir up trouble all the time. It's any wonder that Paul says, make every effort. For the sinful heart, it's not natural for us to be like this, to be like Christ. Yet Christ calls us, the sinner, you and I to be His church, His people. And there's not multiple churches, there is one church. There are different expressions and there are different gatherings, but there is one church, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. And even in this digital age and what seems to be a global world, there is nothing like the church. There is nothing like this. And I don't know if you've had the experience, but one of the richest experience for me as a, as a Christian is visiting other churches across culture, language, and place. From the slums of Cambodia with young adults who are hungry for God's Word to an auditorium filled with hundreds of people in Japan singing old African-American spiritual songs to the hidden streets of Kedron where people come together under Christ in unity. It's a beautiful thing to behold. There is nothing like it. Christ calls people together not 
to live an individual life of faith, but a personal life of faith shared in the corporate gathering of his people. Over the years, a lot of people ask me, isn't my faith just between me and God? No, it's not. It's not between you and God. You're called not to an individual faith and relationship with God, but a corporate one. It might be personal, but it's not individual. There's a difference. To be in relationship with Jesus is to be in relationship with him and his body, his church. You can't separate the two. And one way we express this is baptism. You might be surprised at this, but let me explain. When it comes to baptism, it's not simply a personal choice to be baptized. You might think, oh, don't I just say I want to be baptized? No, not really. Because the church baptizes you. They don't just baptize whoever walks in the door. When a church baptizes someone, when it comes time to baptize someone, I'm going to do something that most of you probably haven't done before. I'm going to ask the church to give a testimony for the person being baptized. Why? Because the church baptizes them. We recognize that God has shown grace and mercy to this person. We have seen God at work, and so we testify to God's goodness and His grace. The church baptizes, not just the person asking for baptism. It is a practical expression of how we as a church encourage and disciple and mature people in Christ. Baptism is not a one-off event. It is simply the beginning of a commitment between the church and people to walk together. If you go to Costco, they only let you in if you have a membership or you're going with someone who has a membership. Uh, And when you get your membership card, it's got your name and your photo on it, so you can't just pass it off to someone else, even though people do that. Now, it might be just a bit of propaganda and marketing, but there are certain privileges that come with membership at Costco. Church membership is more than AGMs, meetings, and voting. It's more than that. Like Nick Fury's initiative, the church is God's initiative to assemble his people together under Christ. It's how God disciples and grows His people in Christ through the church. And this is why membership is important. Guests and visitors are always welcome. There's no, nothing stopping people from coming. But if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you consider this your church family, and you're not baptized or a member, we need to talk. Because this is a partnership. It is a partnership with you and the church and it is a partnership of the church and you. As a member of the church, it's not just a name on the list, it's not just numbers on a seat at at a meeting, it is a partnership of saying we are committed to seeing you grow in Christ and becoming mature. That's what it's about. And that's why this matters. Each one of the Avengers is an amazing character chosen for their unique abilities. And when the first Avengers came together, uh, they failed to appreciate these gifts and it resulted in the group going their own way. It was only after the death of Agent Phil Coulson that the team united to defend the Earth from an alien invasion. 
Salvation is, as we say in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus crucified, died, and buried, descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And we get these words from Paul. And it speaks of the gospel. The salvation that we have received in Christ. And so Christ descends into hell to save sinners from sin and death. But that's not all. In verse 7, grace is more than just salvation. The victorious Christ gives these freed people, these redeemed people, gifts of grace. Each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Paul builds on this in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributed them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. To every person in Christ, grace is not just grace of salvation. Not simply the grace of God's love. It is the grace of the gifts that God gives His people. There are different kinds, but they are all equal and united under Christ. There's no place for comparison here. Each gift is a gift from God, not personal achievement. Each gift is given for serving God, not personal gain. Each gift is enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, not by personal ability. And if we boast in our gifts, we can only boast that we have been given them in Christ. And that we can use them for His glory. In addition to this, each person is given a gift, but then Christ gives to His church specific people. Apostles, prophets, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There are some, not all, people who God calls to serve the church. Not so that they can do the work. Why? Verse 12, to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Like Nick Fury, the role of the gospel worker isn't to be the Avengers, but to assemble God's people under Christ and equip them so that they will be built up to be the Avengers, to be the church. Nick Fury gathers resources, money, equipment for the Avengers. And the role of the gospel worker is to bring everything together, to equip the church, the people of God, to use their gifts to build up the body and for the glory of God. And as I said earlier, my prayer is that this will be a church where each person can find their place where their gifts are used to build up the church. God's church. And each person has a place to add to this work of building up His church. Now there will always be needs. And I'm grateful that this is a place where people step into those needs. But on the flip side of that, I also recognize that there are gifts that are not being used. There are gifts that are not being recognized, gifts that are being underutilized. My job is to see that those gifts are being used and utilized and equipped for the glory of God through His church. And so if you think that 
there are gifts that you can use and you're not using them, let's talk. Because not only are you missing out, the church is missing out. Each one of you has a gift. And in Christ, each one of you has a place. Not only to belong, but to serve. Not simply for service sake, but for our King. So each person has a place and has a role to play. And what's the goal here? What's the goal of using our God-given gifts? Are we like the Avengers who are out to save the world with the gospel? Well, ultimately, yes, we are. The church are God's Avengers who will go and save the world. We saw back in chapter 3, or we hinted in chapter 3, that the church is the means of revealing God's wisdom, that is His gospel, to the world. We do that together. And to achieve that, God gives each and every person not only grace for salvation, but grace to use their gifts. Why? So that we might reach unity and maturity. In order for the Avengers to defend the earth from alien alien invasion, they needed to be a team. They needed to be united in purpose. They needed to set aside their personal agendas and egos and use their personal gifts and powers to save the world from this alien threat. And in order for the church, and that's not just this church, but the global church, to share the good news of Jesus, we need to be a team. United in purpose. Setting aside our own agendas and our egos. Bringing our God-given gifts and abilities to build one another up in the faith. The world preaches a different gospel with promises of freedom and salvation, but it falls short because human wisdom is built on ideas of power and success. It's why pure communism will never be possible. It's why socialist ideals are simply another form of political power and not true freedom. It's why social and digital tribalism will divide rather than unite. And this is just repeated throughout history. I'm listening to a podcast on world revolutions and it's the same story over and over again. It's just a different look, different word, but it's the same story. It's the promise of freedom and salvation. But in the end, somebody just takes power and somebody loses. But in the Gospel, as we read in Philippians 2, Jesus Christ alone, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The gospel we preach is founded and based on the humble submission of Christ to the cross. Not in some political power grab. 
our unity in faith comes from knowing this Jesus and being in relationship with Him. It's not our shared experience, culture, language or purpose. As good as they may be in bringing people together, it is Christ. The unity of the church comes from Christ alone. To be mature in Christ is to reach the heights of godly wisdom, which is not proud, but it is foolish in the eyes of the world, as we were reminded last week, as we acknowledge Christ as King. He is over all, through all, and in all. And to reach fullness in Christ is when we trust Him in every area of our lives. And I'll be the first to say that I'm not there yet. But that's the goal. The goal of salvation, the goal of our gifts and the grace that Jesus has given His church is so that we're not spiritual infants. Spiritually gullible, taken by every changing social opinion or philosophy. Even if they seem Christian or good. Or the deceitful ideas promoted by the world. The goal is maturity. To be like Christ. And the counter to this is not clever ideas or attempts to be relevant, but it's speaking truth in love. It's being completely humble and gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, giving yourself and your God-given gifts to building one another up, building up His church, towards maturity in love. And to do all that, it means that you need to be in relationship with other people. And not just sitting together in the same room on a Sunday. This is good, but there's better. To grow and to serve and to work towards unity and maturity doesn't happen by accident. If it was that easy, you'd be friends with everyone at school or work. Relationships are built by spending time with people, sharing life with people, join a life group, opening your homes to one another, walking through the ups and downs of life together. And I know that happens. But as a church, we can build on that and build relationships as we serve one another, pray for one another, speaking the word to one another. Did I mention life groups? Share life together. Walk together. Pray for each other. With the goal of maturity. Being united in Christ. Each and every one of you has a gift. Every one of you in Christ has a gift that is given to you to build up the church. They may not be visible. They may not be up front. They may not be things that people think of. But each person has a gift that exists to build up the church, to build up brothers and sisters in this family of God, to work towards unity and maturity for God's glory. There are different gifts, but one Lord. At the end of the most recent Avengers movie, the Avengers went from defending the earth to saving the entire universe from a galactic threat. But when it all started, when they first came together to save one city, 
who knew what they would accomplish? Now, I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what the end game for this church will be. But I do know that this is God's church and he is building it. And you are here for a reason. It's not because your family is here. It's not because your parents are here. No, you are here for a reason. And he has given you, in Christ, he has given you a gift or gifts to build up his church. And by God's grace, I hope to equip you then for works of service so that this body of Christ, this church and other churches through this church might be built up for unity and maturity in Christ. We may not save the world like the Avengers do, but we can save people from the clutches of sin and the pits of hell by bringing them to Jesus. And we do that together. We do that as we understand that Christ has called us, given us grace, and with that grace gifts to serve and to build up His church. Because that's who the church is. So let's assemble and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that in Christ You have assembled people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and place. To bring together a team, a group, a family of people unmatched by anything the world has ever seen. But the ways and the wisdom of the world consider these things foolish. Father, we ask that you would help us see the wisdom of the gospel, the wisdom of the church, and the plan that you intended to gather people together to save this world from sin and death. Father, we pray for wisdom to help us know our path, both as a church but also personally. As we have come to put our faith in you, Father, we ask that you would help us to see the gifts that you have given us. And Father, I pray that each person would know not only the grace that you have shown them, but the gifts that you have given them also. Help us to recognize them, help us to acknowledge them, help us to use them to honor you, to build up your church towards unity and maturity in love. And so, Father, we just ask that you might bring these words to life, these words that you have kept for us, that we might know and live the gospel and the grace that has been given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.